Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. This episode of the Raptors Over Everything Podcast is brought to you by our official sponsor, Kentucky Fried Chicken, the new official food of basketball. So make sure you're never missing buckets. Order yours at kfc.ca and get it before tip-off. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors. 119-118 victory over the Indiana Pacers. And I got to say, these are the kind of days where I just love this job, you know? I just love this job. I mean, I love this job regardless because I'm covering, you know, it's a dream to cover my uh, hometown Raptors and... and Everything like that, but damn, damn, to be in the building for a game like this, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. This should be the best one of the season. It really should be, but it might not even crack top five. Um, if you just look at the circumstances, though. The Pacers, red hot, man, red hot, all right? This team, the Pacers averaged 10 three-point makes per game. They are 29th in the NBA in made threes per game. They averaged 10.1 makes per game. They hit 19 tonight, and this is not the first time this happened because the Raptors also saw the Pacers hit 18 threes in their overtime win over the Raptors. That game, Aaron Holiday, of all people, couldn't stop snapping, and then Miles Turner hit some corner threes. It was ridiculous. But regardless, you know, they're double, double their season average on threes made, and the and the Pacers got out to a 19-point lead. They were playing really well. The Raptors were not. Um, defensively, you know, the pressure was not great from the Raptors. Um and you know, just offensively, just it was it was stuck in the mud there for the Raptors, who uh, looked like they were going to lose this game. But as we have known for the Raptors, please, please do not count them out. They will come back. They will come back at you. And um, that's exactly what happened tonight, man. The Raptors completed the comeback at the very end. Serge Ibaka, of all people, Serge Ibaka nailing a contested three. Not even just a contested three, actually. I should really say that Serge Ibaka got fouled. All right, he got fouled on a wing three-point attempt by DeMontis Sabonis, who slapped him across the arms. The referees did not have the guts to call that foul, even though it was clear that he got fouled. He got knocked down to whatever. It doesn't matter. Serge Ibaka nails the three, gives the Raptors um, a one-point advantage, and then the Pacers, a bit of a mad scramble. Um, Victor Oladipo gets a semi-contested uh, three. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry flies on the contest. Very good contest. Um, you know, the Pacers somehow ch- track down the loose ball. Victor Oladipo gets the ball back after Pascal tips it away from um, one of the Pacers that was trying to crash for the rebound. And the ball swings out to Malcolm Brogdon, and somehow he's driving the paint, but the Raptors completely collapse. There's four guys in the paint. Uh, uh, Brogdon loses a dribble. Actually reminded me a lot of uh, Game 5 against the Bucks, where Brogdon was trying to dribble on the sideline against Pascal and also lost a dribble, and that, that kind of uh, sealed that win for the Raptors. And... um yeah, that was the game. That was the game. It was, uh, again, I, I, games like these where, again, you're making a 19-point comeback all in the third quarter, all in the fourth quarter, uh, that should be the best win of the season. But somehow it's not, man. It's not because this is the same team that brought you a 30-point comeback against the Dallas Mavericks. This is the same team that won on the road with, like, 
five and a half healthy bodies against the uh, the, the Los Angeles Lakers and you know the same team that you know went back and got revenge for Christmas Day by slapping up the Boston Celtics with Pat McCaw like you know it's just this team does it time and time and time again comebacks are not foreign to the Raptors and today um, this was impressive. This was really impressive. Even having said all that, this is just really impressive because the Pacers, it was one of those frustrating games where, you know, even though the Pacers went up big, the Raptors closed the gap. But every time the Raptors closed the gap, the Pacers would hit some two dumb threes. Uh, and it was always from, like, the most annoying of players. Look, I'm not trying to, you know, talk down on the Pacers. Players, I think, um, you know, they definitely have a couple of pieces that are quite nice. And, you know, they have a very competent team. They're a very good team. They're 31-20. and 20. They're, they're really good. Having said that, though, TJ McConnell coming off the bench shooting 4-4, super annoying, all right? Doug McDermott coming off the bench and giving you four threes and 19 points in 23 minutes, a plus 21, super annoying. Justin Holiday, 22 points, including 6-9 from three, mad annoying, all right? Um, even Aaron Holiday hit a three down the stretch, his little brother there. So it, it was just one of those games where the Raptors would cut the lead, the Pacers would hit some threes. Raptors would cut the lead, get within one possession, get within one point, just barely. You could feel the momentum changing the game, and then all of a sudden the Pacers hit some shots. And, you know, that's how it went for the entirety of the second half. The Pacers thought they had the game won after uh, Justin Holiday uh, hit a, pu- a pair of free throws. That gave the Pacers an 11-point lead with about 2 minutes and 29 seconds left. And from that point, it was just a product of sheer determination by the Raptors, who um, obviously got that Ibaka three. They got a three from Kyle Lowry, where, Kyle, uh, where uh, Pascal Siakam drew two defenders and then kicked it out. Lowry was uh, tra- trailing on the play and got an open three, and he hit it. Um, but mostly it was Pascal Siakam in terms of his sheer determination to win this game. Look, the Raptors as a whole show a lot of determination. That surge was really good in that front. I thought Kyle Lowry obviously is great. I mean, he's the most stubborn motherfucker in the whole game. Um, and he'll never let you lose. But I thought, you know, for Pascal, it, it, this is my biggest takeaway from the game was that unlike previous games where the Raptors have played tough opponents, where Pascal has sort of been neutralized, Pascal's had a difficult time, they've stacked the paint. Obviously, the Pacers play with two centers, so that's a lot easier to stack the paint. Um, you know, Pascal has sort of faded into the background in some of these games, and that's been uh, a concern of mine, you know, as the Raptors sort of try to make a deep push uh, and have sort of bigger ambitions that we, as we've seen, you need a guy, a number one guy who is willing and determined and just never gives up and is always has that confidence to keep going and keep attacking. And there have been games where Pascal's aggression has slipped tonight. I would give him full credit, man. He really, really, really came on strong. And that fourth quarter charge, that late push, most of that was Pascal Siakam. I mean, he cut behind the defense after two people double Serge Ibaka in the post for some reason. Um, you know, Pascal snuck back door for a layup. Pascal got inside uh, and uh, finished through contact. Kyle, uh, you know, he, he split a pair of free throws after forcing his way to the rim. Uh, and Pascal was just at the center of so many, so many of these plays. And he was really, really um, struggling in the first half, man. It was one of those games where, again, it felt like, you know, he had these kind of games against Houston. Uh, he had these games against Miami. You know, teams were really physical with him. He was missing some open shots, getting frustrated. The jumper wasn't falling. What was he going to do? 
Um, and today, at one point, he was one of eight in the paint. He missed so many wide open looks. Uh, you know, early on, whatever the Pacers were double teaming him, he was making some good passes. That's all nice, but it just realistically they needed Pascal to score, and Pascal was just failing to do so. Whether that was him being soft in the paint, well, not even soft in the paint, just like missing shots that he could necessarily go up with a stronger finish, um, and just leaving points on the table. It was a very frustrating night, but. He really turned around, man. Pascal really turned around. The mentality to stick with it was was really uh, present with Pascal. I thought one of the biggest developments of the game was Nick Nurse decided tactically he was going to go to a small ball center lineup with Pascal uh, playing the five. Now, that doesn't happen much. It happened more last season. Um, but, you know, this year, even with some of the injuries to Marc Gasol, who's, you know, has had two separate hamstring injuries, um, you know they have mostly relied on guys like uh, Chris Boucher to come in and fill those minutes. Um, but today, Nick Nurse midway through the third quarter there went to Pascal in the small ball center, and I thought it was great. First off, I've always wanted to see more Pascal as a small ball center. Maybe sort of a secret weapon. Maybe you don't want to tip your hand to a playoff opponent. Maybe you just want to tip your hand. Period, because you know you have this in the back of your in your back pocket. But uh, it's a nice look, and you know I don't think it's a coincidence that the Raptors went on an immediate eight nothing run with Pascal at playing center. Now, part of this was also motivated by the fact that Serge Ibaka got in foul trouble. Uh, you know, he was guarding Sabonis, which is not an easy cover for him by any means. Traditionally, that matchup would be covered by Marc Gasol, who's much better equipped to guard post-up players. Uh, but obviously, Gasol's out, so Serge had to sort of bang down low, picked up a couple of fouls. They went to Pascal at, uh, at center. And it just really sparked him for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it opened up the paint in terms of just there wasn't Serge Ibaka lingering in the paint anymore. Uh, there was a clear lane for Pascal to drive. It was a little harder to double team uh, off somebody. Um, but it was also, you know, easier for Pascal in the sense that the Pacers, after they, you know, basically took a couple of hits here, they decided to scrap their two center lineups. Um, they were having a lot of success sort of packing the paint, shutting down um, drives and things like that. The Raptors' offense is a larger driving kick, and, and they were really, really having a lot of success by shutting down the Raptors' offense with their two centers. But because the Raptors had made this run with Pascal's center, Nate McMillan decided to make the adjustment to take off one of his centers. Usually it was Miles Turner. Uh, the, obviously, Sabonis is the better of the two of them. Um, and that kind of just swung the game in terms of just, like, offensively, the Raptors kind of got it going. It's sort of the taps were open after that point. Uh, you saw, you know, Pascal be able to drive to the rim again, more spacing on the floor, and um, you know it was a clear divide because at one point the Raptors had like fifty something points midway through the third quarter, and it's like, damn, that that's just not going to get it done against anybody, especially against a good team. Um, but from that point on, the Raptors really, really turned around. Uh, they finished the game really strong. Obviously, the Raptors had thirty point, thirty four points in the third quarter, thirty seven in the fourth quarter, uh, and you know, offensively, it just looked really, really nice. Again, you know, you're not going to go to Pascal Center that often, that much. Uh, it's not a look that it's just not that viable. You have Serge Ibaka and Marcus Law. Those guys are both really, really good, really strong contributors. Uh, you don't necessarily want to take minutes away from them. But in situations like these and against certain matchups, if you want to gain an advantage, Pascal 5 is something you could turn to. And I thought it worked really well today. It got Pascal going. His, um, you know, his just aggression sort of picked up. And I just liked it, man. There was a game, there was just like, this is a game where it was very frustrating uh, for many reasons. You know, the Pacers, obviously, they're playing really well. Their they're supporting cast was hitting some dumb shots. And you could get annoyed for that. But it was also just frustrating from the sense that Pascal was taking a lot of contact and not getting any foul calls. And, you know, even from the meter row, it's just hard to contain yourself. You're just kind of, like, bewildered, really, when you see Pascal get slapped across the hands. 
and no foul calls called. And, you know, they review the play and they can't even rev- the overturn that call because you can't actually review a, a, a non-call. Um, so it, that was frustrating to see Nick Nurse burn his timeout and burn his uh, coach's challenge on that play. Uh, you know, since there was no foul called, all he could really contest and all he could really challenge was who the ball went out of last. And it went off of Pascal. But damn, like the referees must have been watching a video being like, we are so dumb. We just saw Pascal I'm getting slapped across the hands and we can't even reverse that based on the rules. It's, it's a little bit dumb, to be honest. The video replay in that, in that situation doesn't make any sense to me the way how it's used. Um, or, you know, there's another play that really frustrated me. It ended up, ended up being a foul call for Pascal Siakam. But Pascal was on the baseline. He was getting covered by uh, Jeremy Lamb. He blows by Lamb. And Lamb, after giving up the blow by, puts his hands around his collar, around his neck, and just, like, yanks him back. And then, Pas- and then you know, Pascal then takes another hit from Miles Turner, who comes over and basically tackles him. And finally, the foul call is made. But it's just like, bro, how is that not a foul call when... Jeremy Lamb is tugging him across the shoulders. Like, what? It's right in front of the referee. It's right on the baseline. I don't know how they didn't see that. It's a very frustrating game. But Pascal, again, I got to credit his mental toughness. He just kept going at it. He kept going at it. And he turned a really, really miserable night into one that was very, very good. He was huge in the fourth quarter, made so many clutch plays. And, you know, even against a team, a defense that, again, should be equipped to shut down uh, Siakam with the way they play. They have a, just a very big team across the board. They have a, just a, a very big front line. Pascal got it done, man. He got it really done. He really got it done, and I got to give him a lot of credit. And I also got to give Kyle Lowry a lot of credit, too, because, man, yo, this guy, all year he's been defying age. Tonight was one of his best performances of the year, 32 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, 12 of 21 shooting from the field, 3 of 6 from deep, all three of those from the, in the second half. Kyle was just, you know, in a game where, let's be real, Pascal Siakam is number in his first go around as a number one option is not necessarily the steadiest of uh, offensive players you know sometimes uh you know he will he, he's up and down right and and that's to be expected you know his energy is not necessarily always there his, his scoring efficiency is not always there he scores in a lot of spurts what you need around a guy like that is someone who can just set the tone and just keep it consistent and just like you know keep the Raptors afloat and I thought that's what Kyle Lowry did in our first quarter, even though Raptors got 30 points, a lot of that was just Kyle Lowry going to the rim and, and just forcing his way there. The Pacers did a really good job shutting off everyone else, but somehow Kyle Lowry, with his guile, with his change of pace, with his quickness, even though he's 33 years old, soon to be 34 in March, somehow he still has tons of quickness. He's able to get to the basket, was able to get separation, was able to draw fouls. Uh, and just Kyle Lowry's sort of ability to just keep the offense going with either his like opportunistic passes or his drives, his, just, his mind, man, Kyle Lowry's mind. Is, is is beautiful. He's a, he's really a basketball genius. There's one play that really stood out to me. I mean, it, it, it's whatever. It's, it seems like a transition layup. He's going one-on-one. He scores. Whatever. But Larry, you know, stole the ball. This is during the Raptors comeback and down 19 points. Stole the ball at half court. Uh, you know, he was racing ahead. He had Jeremy Lamb coming up behind him. And what Larry did was so smart. He faked it like he was going to go up with his left hand, knowing that Jeremy Lamb would then try to contest on that left-hand side. And then right before he went up for the shot, after the fake, he actually stopped, waited a second, allowed Jeremy to fly by with the, with the contest, and then Kyle was able to then lay it in. It's just genius, on the move. And it was, it was happening on a million miles per second. So uh, it was just, uh, again, this guy's a genius, man. Um, and, and Kyle's determination. I mean, and also he just has clutch shots, man. Forget determination, all that other bullshit. Like he was just making a lot of shots. He was really, really making a lot of shots. Um, you know, he's 
big on the glass as well, makes all these winning plays. Uh, and, and just the scoring this year, man, I mean, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. He's above... You know he's above twenty points per game now on the season, and um, if you if you just look at it, like I, mean, I don't know if he's above twenty points on the season, but yeah, he's, he's very close. Uh, and and this is the first time he's scratched even close twenty points a game in, in over three years. But if you even if you just look at Kyle Lowry's like overall production, it's just been it's been huge. Like the Raptors would not be in their place right now without Kyle Lowry being what he is. And he's again, like I said earlier, he's just so stubborn. He will not let you lose a game. Um, and, and Kyle really kept the Raptors in this one. The Pacers could have really blew it out. It was kind of a blowout, and then Kyle Lowry, along with Pascal Siakam, helped reverse it. And you, you just love to see that from your top two players. And then of course Serge Ibaka was awesome. <laughs> Serge Ibaka was awesome again. This is not the role we're supposed to play, man. He's supposed to be uh, taking on an easier matchup. Normally, you know, against these post-up players like Sabonis, who is very, very good and an all-star, deservedly so. Uh, but against these guys, it's supposed to be Marcus All banging out there with him. Serge Ibaka went out there, and he did his very best. Um, I thought, in ter- at least in terms of limiting... Um, at least in terms of limiting Sabonis from scoring, I thought he did a really good job of that. I thought, uh, you know, he just at least made it, he made it hard. He made it tough for them to, uh, to, to, to sort of get his baskets and get his, get his offense. Uh, you know, Sabonis is still able to pass and, and sort of distribute to other players. But honestly, if you tell me he has 15 points of four or seven shooting uh, in 38 minutes and one of those, and three of those shots, or three of those points was a three from a guy who shoots like 23% on the season. I'm thrilled with that. And I thought Ibaka did a really good job of covering Sabonis defensively that way. But I also thought offensively, man, Serge has just been so money. Like, he's just finishing everything. So many possessions, you know, it didn't really seem like the Raptors had much. But that somehow the ball went to Serge Ibaka late in the shot clock. And he just flipped a little hook shot in. He's become so money on those. Um, and then the three-point shooting, you know. It, what was really impressive to me was just, like, at the end of the game there, it seemed like he had dead legs. You know, he took he took a couple of shots at the end there in the fourth quarter and they were all short and it felt like this guy just has nothing left uh he's tired he's obviously overextended playing this many minutes he's on a tough matchup against an all-star who's been going at him he's in foul trouble does he have enough juice less in his legs and it turns out yes he does because he hits that game winning three and uh you know surge was just massive on the night obviously you get a very different type of production when you have surge versus when you have mark and, uh, again, it's just a huge luxury to have both of these guys. Serge Ibaka, as the backup center, is able to come in and give you 30 points, <laughs> including some threes on 13-21 shooting. Like, how many backup centers in the league can do that? Not a lot. Not a lot, man. This is an incredible luxury. Um, you got teams like the Houston Rockets playing a 6-4 center and, and P.J. Tucker full-time. Like, to, to have Serge Ibaka as your backup is, is amazing. And, obviously, he's really stepped in, you know, with the Raptors. Uh, you know, with all these injuries currently happening, I mean, he has scored... 20 or more points in four of the last five games. This 30-point outing for Serge is his uh, season high. It was awesome. And, of course, made a whole bunch of big plays down the stretch, including that big three at the end. And, you know, it was just, man, it was just a really, really, really fun game to watch, you know. Um, you know, in terms of if I had to critique some things in this game, of course there's things to critique. Let's be real. The Raptors, you know, it shouldn't be on this hard. Um, you know, it, it shouldn't really feel like the Raptors stole a game. After all, they're coming off two days of rest at home uh, against a team that's been on the road for a little bit, Indiana. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they 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 should do better. The Raptors were favored by six points heading into this game. Uh, and, you know, there's things that do concern you. Like, there are patterns that crop up. Like, number one, the bench is a liability. The bench is a liability. You know, the bench has had many great moments this year. I don't want to disparage them. I'm just meaning that when you look at 
some of the trends in terms of the Raptors giving up leads and things like that. And the Raptors led by 10 after the first quarter. Um, when you look at the Raptors getting stuck in the mud and stuff, it's usually the bench. And, you know, I don't want to blame you too much on the bench tonight because it's not necessarily fair. They're really shorthanded. Obviously, no mark has pushed Serge Ibaka from the bench to the starting lineup. And also, Norman Powell, uh, who was, you know, out with that finger injury, takes like 17 points a game off the table. So when you're looking at is Chris Boucher, Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson, Pat McCaw, Terrence Davis, those are your options off the bench. You know, maybe Matt Thomas, maybe. But, like, those are your options. And those aren't great options. They really aren't. Like, um, you know... Boucher, I didn't. I didn't think Boucher played that badly, to be honest. Uh, I just think the Raptors decided to make that switch to uh, Siakam playing small ball center, and obviously Serge was rolling, so they covered all the minutes of center. So Boucher didn't get much time; he only played eight minutes. Rondé was, man, first game back in from injury, but damn, he was bad. He was real, real bad. Um, Thirteen minutes, scoreless, minus eighteen. When he checked out early in the fourth quarter, Nick Nurse kind of pulled the plug. You know, Rondé had to go to the locker room, and I thought he was hurt, but really I just think he wanted to decompress because it was a very frustrating night for him. Obviously, first game back from injury. Uh, but it was tough watching the offense flow through him, man. I mean, like, first off, I don't know why they made such an emphasis of going through Rondé Hollis Jefferson in the post. It was not like he had a mismatch. The Pacers are very big across the board. He didn't have the size advantage. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, it was a tough night for Rondé. He wasn't creating much, you know, force of a bad pass that led to a turnover. Uh, it's just, again, it just wasn't creating much, especially for a guy that was a hub of the offense. You wouldn't know it from only taking one shot and having zero points, but it just wasn't really going anywhere. He didn't have any assists either. Frustrating night for, for Rondé. And of course, you know, as we've seen all year, the offense is going to look especially bad if it's Rondé and Pat McCaw playing together at the same time. There's just not a lot of offense in that situation. You know, Rondé's a guy who doesn't face the floor, and McCaw, even though he can shoot a little bit, um, he's still not a guy who's going to create much offense. And so really what you're looking at is three guys on the bench that give you pretty much nothing. And then Terrence Davis, who thank God for Terrence Davis. I mean, at least he was there to, like, uh, you know, he's, um, <laughs> you know, he's, He's he's the new norm. He's he's now carrying scoring for the bench unit. Um, you look at obviously thirty one points, a career high against the Bulls um, on Sunday, and today it wasn't thirty one points. But damn, they needed every single one of these eleven points for Terrence Davis off the bench. He actually closed the game along with the rest of the starters. Um, and I'll talk about the guy who got left out in a second. But Terrence Davis during that stretch in the in the comeback fearless and that's the thing you love about a rookie like that most rookies come in and they're shy they're nervous they don't know if they should take the shot um and they play with a hesitancy and that little bit of hesitancy is a big difference between whether you're effective on offense or whether you're not or or whether you're pat mccaw to be honest and terrence davis is one of the best things about him is that he's willing to take the shot like in in the comeback he hit two back-to-back threes uh and then he hit a three in a corner as well terrence is just a guy who's willing to go after he's willing to go get it and he's he's you know, he's not afraid of taking a shot. Like, a, a lot of times he could swing the ball and, and rotate, and it's not that he's taking a bad shot. It's just a reflection that he's willing to take the shot. And and I love that about Terrence. You know, he can shoot it. Uh, he can take it to the basket. You know, I, to be honest, there are things that he can improve offensively that, you know, he just lacks that sort of savvy and polish. Uh, when you compare him to a Fred, or even when you compare him to Kyle, obviously, um, he doesn't have that kind of like savvy in between game. He doesn't really, you know. There's more reads that I think once the game slows down for him even more, he can really exploit and attack those. But right now, as a guy who can shoot threes, a guy who can finish in transition, as a guy who can give you an occasional drive to the rim, you love it. And especially if a guy who's not afraid to take the shot. Like this is the kind of mentality that's going to lead him to be an effective player even in the playoffs. Uh, because, you know, he's going to be able to come in and, and give you that little bit of a boost and that little bit of a spark. And I thought he did that tonight. 
And really, the only thing to nitpick is the fact that OJ Anobi had a really, really bad night uh, in terms of just offensively invisible. Zero points, 28 minutes, 0 of 1 from the field, just one three-pointer that he missed. Look, to be honest, the offense could do a better job of finding him shots. Let's be real. Only one shot is pretty bad in 28 minutes. Uh, you know, the distribution from Kyle, the distribution from Pascal, from Fred, they could find OJ a little bit better. But at the same time, OG, like, if you only take one shot in 20 minutes, that's also somewhat on you. Like, how aggressively were you trying to be involved in the game? Did you cut? Did you, did you make the right cuts? Did you flash open? Did you reposition for threes? That stuff just wasn't really there um, for OG. Now, I got to say, he wasn't bad necessarily because he'd still played some really damn good defense. Uh, you know, a lot of possessions, he was switched on to Sabonis, and he just refused and, and wrestled and battled Sabonis for position and really denied the ball and played important defense there. And when it wasn't on Sabonis, he was on Brogdon, and Brogdon was giving everyone else buckets, man. He shot 10 of 14 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. You know, he was he was doing some work, but the OJ Anobi, when he was on Brogdon, Brockton wasn't making as much noise. And so, you know, it's it's a nice luxury to have to have that defense. But damn, offensively just wasn't there. And that's why he got benched down the stretch. Like that's why they went with Terrence Davis down the stretch. And it's not the first time this has happened, right? It was something I've been noting in the podcast. Like, you know, a couple games before this, it was Norman Powell doing it. And but when it was Norm, it was like, all right, well, Norm's on a hot streak. Why would you not close with Norm? But now it's Terrence. I mean, you know, it's 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 a tough call. Now I could see where Nurse is coming from. Obviously, Terrence is giving you offense, and and OG wasn't, and you're trying to make up the gap, and you needed more offense, so you went with Terrence Davis. I understand that. But having said that, look, OG just has to do better. Like you know, it, it's not you know in terms of the trade deadline, which is coming up tomorrow, and um, you know I will have a reaction podcast to whatever happens after the deadline. And you can look for that uh, after the you know after the 3 p.m. deadline, probably you know around 5 6 p.m. somewhere around then. But uh, you know if you're gonna lo- look at upgrading one position, it's probably that small forward position. I'm not saying you got to get rid of OG. I'm not saying that at all. He's the second youngest guy on the team, showing a lot of promise, everything like that. But at the same time, if you have real ambitions of going deep into the playoffs, you need five strong starters at, at, at every spot. And you know OG is a strong starter on most nights. Uh, on recently it's been only on some nights and tonight it just wasn't there and it, you know you kind of just need that consistency i'm not saying you got rid of them but i'm just saying i wouldn't be surprised if the raptors got some reinforcements at small forward again because that's the one position where they're not that getting that much offense from you look at it today you got og and ronde and the two of them combined for zero points that's just not enough that's just not enough so uh you know again that's something to look out for but ultimately, this was a very fun win. Really, really fun win. The Raptors, you know, were down in the mud. The Pacers were hitting everything. And, you know, they were they just kept making all these pushes. And the Raptors got them in the end. A very exciting win. Before I go to three stars, get the KFC bucket of the game. And, uh, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Serge Ibaka at the end there. Pascal Siakam, you know, collapsing the defense, driving inside, kicking out to Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry then seeing the defense rotate to him, swings the ball over to Serge on the wing. And Serge, again, confidence man confidence i'm sure he probably just yells ben simmons every time he shoots a three on the wing and uh similar to the one on ben simmons he made it in a very very important moment and the raptors won the game so there's your kfc bucket of the game in terms of your three stars very obvious i've talked about three guys a lot kyle gets my number one star 32 points eight rebounds 10 assists two steals 
in 38 minutes, 12 of 21 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. You know, one of the greatest things about Kyle Lowry, in addition to all this other shit, he also got at one point two offensive rebounds in a row. Kyle Lowry, six feet tall Kyle Lowry against the Indiana Pacers, who have Victor Oladipo at 6'4, Jeremy Lamb is like 6'8, Malcolm Brogdon's like 6'4, Miles Turner's 7 feet, Sabonis is 7 feet. And there's Kyle Lowry getting back-to-back offensive rebounds and then eventually getting the putback as well. Kyle is just amazing, man. He's just, he's the heart and soul of the team. And uh, it's, it's again, I can't thank this guy enough. Second star for me, Pascal Siakam, 25 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, plus 14, 7 of 18 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. Yeah, the 3-point shot could have been there a little bit more. Um, but, you know, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, I love that stat because that shows how aggressive he was at attacking the basket. He was not getting a friendly whistle. He earned all 11 of those free throws, and he just went at the Pacers over and over and over again. And eventually in the fourth quarter, the Pacers stopped. They just could not guard him anymore. Pascal would come down, isolate in the middle of the floor, floor spread, and just go and make his little shifty move and get to the rim. And, and that was it. Um, so I, I loved, again the uh, mentality to keep attacking to keep going uh you want to see that that's what you expect from a superstar that's what you need from a superstar and pascal play like that tonight and then your third star obviously serge Ibaka, 30 points seven rebounds three assists a steal 13 of 21 from the field two threes including the game winner and also a comically large scarf um you know heading into the game it was one of the lighter moments from tonight of course where uh you know if you haven't seen already uh, I don't know what you're doing on YouTube if you haven't seen that already. Uh, make sure you go look at that. Uh, Serge Ibaka takes OJ and Obi to Holt Renfrew for some shopping, and the banter between the two of them is just um, unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, at one point OG, you know, tells Serge repeatedly, "What about my? What about scarves? What about scarves? What about scarves?" And so Serge, you know, basically almost snapped to give him the Marquis Chris treatment. But um, yeah, tonight before the game, you know, OJ and Obi comes in the game wearing a Burberry. Uh, scarf wrapped all around his head looked a little ridiculous and then Serge coming after after him wore probably the biggest scarf on earth like if you consider the fact that he's like a six foot ten guy and the scarf was wrapped around his neck and the scarf draped all the way down the front of his body I mean that that scarf might be like 10 feet tall I'm just saying um but it was a massive scarf and uh yeah I don't know this game this this team is just so much fun to watch I mean I don't know how you can uh, how you can resist this team in terms of your Gerald Henderson award a lot of options. A lot of options, believe me. Um, you know. But, you know, Justin Holiday, yeah, I think he played a better game than Doug McTermott for sure. 22 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, and a block, was including 6 threes from Justin Holiday. Disgusting production from him. But I got to give it to McDermott. There's something so annoying about McDermott scoring. I don't know what it is. Um, it, it's just always back cuts. It's always so fundamental. It's always just threes, and it's just ah, there's something annoying about the fact that you know you could stop them, and it's just a, a, a you know a, a lapse in um, concentration that allows him to score. And maybe that's what's maybe that's what's frustrating about him, or I don't know, man. But yeah, McDermott he gets the uh, Gerald Henderson Award, and of course he's been a guy who's you know been Gerald Henderson against the Raptors a couple times. Uh, whether that was uh, mostly in his stops against uh, when he was in Chicago, he would really really hurt the Raptors. So it's not the first time McDermott's done it, but uh, the Raptors were able to withstand it. Great comeback win. And again, they head into the trade deadline as the second seed. They're 37-14. and 14. They're ahead of where they were last year at this time. And, you know, things are, things, are, things are good, man. I mean, look, there's a report out there. There's a couple reports out there that the Knicks are trying to go after Masai. I'm not really sure. Um how much they'll be successful in that pursuit. I don't know if, if that uh, interest is reciprocated from Masai's side of the deal. Um, but, you know, 
it's just one of those things that's so unpleasant to talk about, man. I, I mean, I don't even know what to say, really. Like, it's just, uh, it's upsetting to think about, and you never want to worry about these things. And I just, I, I hope that MLSC, no matter what they're doing, comes through, comes correct with a big contract for for Messiah Jiri and just ends all of that. Because what this, that it, you don't need this distraction at this current time. You really don't. Um, you What you should really be focusing on is the fact that the Raptors have won 12 straight. That's a franchise record. They're 37 and 14. They're second in the Eastern Conference. They've had multiple very, very good wins now. And, um, yeah, that should be the focus. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, trade down line, you know, is going to be a whirlwind, and we'll see what happens there. But ultimately, um, yeah, I, I hope the Maasai situation gets resolved. Uh, honestly, if you saw the latest report from Woj that uh, you know, Woj did a show with Zach Lowe, uh, and sort of they dished on all the talk that they've heard across the NBA. Uh, it seemed a little bit like uh, James Dolan, uh, the uh, the clown that runs the Knicks, might actually be giving up on that pursuit because of the picks and all the other stuff. And who knows? It does. It definitely seems to be less momentum than it was last night. But again, hopefully the story just gets resolved, and uh, you know we can just go back to focusing on on the fact that yo, this team is amazing. This team is amazing to watch. They are the best story in the NBA period to lose the finals mvp to lose another starter and danny to have all these injuries injuries to every single piece of the rotation except for terrence davis and i guess oj Anobi, who he did have an eye thing but it wasn't really a serious injury to have all these things go against them and the raptors still be where they are is amazing and this is a team that is so 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 worth your respect so worth your time and i can't wait until the next game so that does for the podcast. Again, as a reminder, well, a couple of programming notes. One, I'll be doing a post-trade deadline reaction podcast uh, tomorrow after the deadline, so look out for that in the afternoon and the evening time where I'm going to recap what the Raptors do and also what changes happen in the Eastern Conference. Uh, two, the KFC Hotline. If you want to contribute to uh, the Raptors Everything live call-in show and you can't call in live, um, leave us a message, uh, direct message to the Yahoo Sports Canada Instagram page. Leave us your hot take, leave us your comment, leave us your question, whatever you want to do. Uh, message us, all right? Because uh, it's it, the live show. If you haven't watched it, I think it's probably I think it's better than the reaction podcast. I think it's better than the podcast that I do weekly with an interview with a guest. Um, <laughs> I think it's really fun, and you can watch that live every Friday at three thirty p.m. Uh, Eastern uh, on the Yahoo Sports Canada YouTube page. Uh, where me and Josh take calls from fans. But, yeah, if you want to get involved, and, again, I understand it's only a one-hour window. It's a little tough to always hit that time. Uh, leave us a message. Direct us, direct a message or something, and especially after a game like this. I'm sure you have a lot to say, and I'm sure you're feeling a lot of things in your mind. Um, so that. And then the third thing is, yeah, watch Run It Back. You know, me and Alex, we talked about, uh, you know, the tampering strategy for Giannis heading into All-Star Weekend. And, uh, you know, that's it. Rate, review, subscribe. A lot of content on Yahoo Sports Canada on our across our multiple channels. And uh, thank you so much to everyone for watching. Thank you to KFC for sponsoring the show. And yeah, see you later. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.